0: This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G O M O T O.com.
1: Hello, and welcome to Daily Drive. It's Thursday, May 5th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. It's a big day for numbers we know and numbers we don't. U.S. sales are out, though not from everyone. We're also looking at quarterly earnings, except for one company that might wish it was sharing profit figures. Plus, a little later in the show, continuous improvement on the factory floor, aided by AI. First, let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. April, U.S. auto sales are in, at least to the extent we're going to get them. Ford and Volvo concluded the monthly reports yesterday, and they were not quite as bad off as their peers. Ford sales dropped 11%, split pretty evenly between the Ford and Lincoln brands, while Volvo slid 9.2%. The average among the seven automakers that report monthly U.S. sales was a fall of 21%. The key macroeconomic figure is the seasonally-adjusted annualized rate of sales, which fell to $14.7 million. That's on the high end of estimates for the month. It was faster than March or February, but down quite a bit from the Torrid pace set a year ago of $18.5 million. Stellantis, the maker of Jeep, Ram, and Peugeot vehicles, said sales rose in the first quarter, supported by strong pricing and a strong vehicle mix, and also by favorable exchange rates. Net revenue increased 12%, topping $44 billion in the January to March period. Vehicle shipments, however, fell by 12% in the quarter, mainly because of unfilled semiconductor orders. As a France-based company, Stellantis reports only sales in terms of vehicles and revenues, not bottom-line results on the odd quarters. CFO Richard Palmer indicated it would have been a profitable one. He told reporters, quote, A 12% increase in revenue with a 12% decrease in volume indicates a very strong performance on price and mix, which augurs well for our margin performance. BMW is not French, it's quite German, and the Bavarian automaker weathered the quarter's challenges as expected. It said earnings before interest in taxes rose 12% to about $3.6 billion. BMW confirmed the outlook for the year that it outlined in March when it said Russia's invasion of Ukraine would push down automaking returns to between 7% and 9%. Before the war, it had estimated a range of 8 to 10%. With production constrained by limited supply of parts, BMW shifted to higher margin models, and it looks like that worked. Despite delivering 6% fewer cars in the first quarter, BMW's auto revenue rose 17% compared with the same period last year. The company also consolidated the results of its Chinese joint venture, sending net profit for the quarter to $10.8 billion. And wrapping up today's earnings reports, let's turn to a supplier for an example of the risks of year-on-year comparisons. BorgWarner reported that its first quarter net income more than tripled from a year earlier, even as most of its business units saw revenues decrease. The key is that year-earlier comparison, in the first quarter of 2021, Warner reported a one-time loss of $272 million from equity investments. In the first three months of this year, Warner generated net income of about $200 million. Its shares rose 2.2%. And that's the news you need to know. Coming up, avoiding injuries on the assembly line with the help of artificial intelligence after the break.
0: to Fred Hayes, service manager at Temecula Valley Buick GMC, and Philip Candido, fixed operations director, talk about their experience with GoMoto in their service drive. Before GoMoto, the backups in the service lane were due to not being able to get to the customer in in a timely manner. There's times where menus are passed over where the advisor forgets to tell them, hey, it needs its major service. And now with the Moto, customers are presented with a maintenance package every time. The time freed up from not having the customer sitting in front of them every single time they come in. It helps them be more efficient. It helps them focus more on the customer's concern and the, the maintenance and service of the vehicle. Before Moto, we would average approximately 130000 in service gross. The kiosk and the service drive doubled the gross profit in the dealership. It's amazing, 100%. Using the GoMoto kiosk makes the dealership more profitable. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency just like Temecula Valley? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com.
1: Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters. I told you yesterday a a little about Toyota using a computerized monitor to observe and analyze the efficiency of factory workers. To explain more about how it works, how Toyota is implementing it, and what the technology can't do, I called up Larry Veliquette, who covers the company for Automotive News. He broke the story yesterday on autonews.com. Larry Veliquette, welcome back to Daily Drive. Thanks a lot, Jamie. Great to be here. So you have an interesting story this week about uh, Toyota using robots to make its people better at making cars. That's just funny to me. Tell me, what's actually going on here?
0: Uh, yeah, so uh, this is a really uh, interesting technology. If you're familiar at all with motion capture uh, video, it's basically how they how they uh, produce Gollum in the in the Lord of the Rings series. <laughs> how they did a lot of the special effects in the Marvel movies. Uh, what this technology would. What uh, Toyota is doing, they've turned to a startup company de- based out in Austin called Invisible AI, and Invisible AI makes these little boxes, and they're really self-contained little computers uh, with a camera, and that camera is capable of catching, uh, of, of catching and recording movements uh, of different uh, uh, places on the body, right? the the wrists, the eyes the shoulders, the arms, and it makes the little stick figures that they use in uh, motion capture uh, technology, and it, uh-huh. it produces, it watches a, a job uh, over the course of a, you know, a, of a day or a thousand days or however long they want to do it, and then it analyzes it, and it uh, speeds up the the development of Kaizen's and makes sure that that worker does uh, his job effectively each time, right it, It's super cool technology.
1: One of the things that seems like such a breakthrough about it is that it works without the workers, the, the team members or associates as Toyota likes to call them, um, without the, them having to wear any special gear, no sensors, no special goggles, uh, no you know they just they just do their job and the rope and the AI system uh, measures their movements.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I stumbled over what to call these things too, right? Do I call them devices? <laughs> Are they robots? They don't really move. I mean, they're they sh- they're stationary, and they they really the only port is an Ethernet port, and that's uh, that's you know that's the only power coming to it. But what's cool is that you put these uh, they install this in a in a fixed location in the factory, uh, you know, kind of trained on that one job. And it, it watches that that uh, team member or that employee do that job right. and and do it all day long. It it's just uh, like I said, it's it's really cool stuff.
1: You know, one of the things that stood out to me, aside from that, it is really cool technology. Um, is you know Toyota, of course they're renowned for their manufacturing uh, system, the Toyota manufacturing system, and the kaizens, the continuous improvements that are part of it. But there's been a lot of emphasis in recent years on the human element of that. That, um, you know, when they brought Lexus, started making Lexus in Kentucky, it's like, well, they really emphasize, you have to have master craftspeople with the the feel for how parts should go together and and the seam that they should have. And uh, you and I went down to the uh, Tundra plant in Texas, and they had some really low-tech systems for moving supplies around the factory floor uh, but here they are with kind of the the total opposite end of the spectrum
0: <laughs> yeah it, it it really is uh, it's kind of a, a you know looking at it on both both ends of the spectrum right you have with these with these robots uh, something that would automate those Kaizen's uh, you know the, the low the low-tech stuff I don't think it, it it really is meant to replace the master you know the the master craft uh, you know assembled by touch I don't think it's it's anywhere close to um, to phasing that out it just kind of augments and and speeds up uh, especially from an ergo er- pardon me ergonomic standpoint uh, okay. how those how those jobs are looked at right to see if there's a if there's a movement that, that a worker is doing that's potentially dangerous, you know, if it's repeated over and over again, um, it, it doesn't, I don't think it really is there to replace the, uh, the touch.
1: No, you're right, absolutely. And it, it only is addressing one part of the Kaizen process, right? I mean, the thing is, so many of the best ideas come from that worker who's there re, reimagining how their job could be structured. Right. That's how they came up with the the little seats, you know, that you ride on when you're if you're working in the wheel wells instead of being bent over and (laughs) stuffing the things up in there is, you know, hey, we could have a a little seat that slides with the car. So you're just you're stationary relative to the vehicle. And, you know, the idea is the most of the real kaizens, the the big ones are still going to come from humans and their intuition. But it certainly is can be some some mini kaizens and uh, the way. Uh, an individual worker does a task, and like you said, just to you know, ergonomics is so important to the system, right? It's keeping those workers healthy. It's keeping you know the plant running. You don't want to lose time with people getting hurt.
0: Yeah, and it, what's really uh, impressive about this is not is not so much that Toyota is you know installing these things mm-hmm. in in Princeton, Indiana, which is their their initial one, is that they're going to install them. They plan to install them everywhere. They're going to go across their, their uh, factories in North America with these things. That kind of tells you what, what they feel is the potential. And, and the fact that, that Toyota is doing it, and they are the, you know, the, the granddaddy of this, of this production uh, uh, philosophy, uh-huh. you can't help but think that other automakers are going to look at this, and it, especially if it's as revolutionary as what, as what they believe it is. Uh, and they're not going to go at it themselves.
1: I'll be curious to see if they take it back to Japan, uh, because you yeah. talk about the real epicenter of it all. Um, but did did Toyota indicate, I mean, why did they start in Princeton? Why instead of Georgetown or Ontario or someplace else?
0: Uh, well, Princeton is undergoing an $803 million renovation right now to make way for the uh, uh, Toyota Grand Highlander and the Lexus TX, which we wrote about here uh, this last couple of weeks ago. Um, so that factory, it's already undergoing a renovation. They're going to install it uh, on, on the line that makes two of these these vehicles uh, first, the 500, 500 of these devices on that line. Then they'll expand to the other half of the factory. So I think it really was timing uh, and not, not anything... Uh, Uh, you know desirous of that of that particular plant
1: not peculiar to the product not peculiar to the workforce but they were making the investment so go ahead and put these uh these things in did they say how much they cost
0: uh no no we didn't we uh
1: they don't usually share the cost of tooling but you know we always want to ask yeah
0: more than 18 bucks (laughs) put it that way
1: (laughs) more than 18
0: more than 18 bucks
1: Well, then they're going to have to get some savings to come out of it, and we'll be looking for you to uh, tell us what they found. Larry, thank you so much for joining me on Daily Drive today.
0: No problem. Thanks, Jamie.
1: That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. You can get the latest news on manufacturing investments, high-tech innovation, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Thanks to Nathan Kadick for editing today's show. Thanks to the Automotive News Multimedia team and web editor Victor Galvan for their help. And thanks to you for listening and making the show part of your daily routine. Now, let's all get back to work.